even though it you know you get the same end result the quality and the internals of that result are faster uh you know more efficient and you know quality kind of results you're not getting like uh you're not getting the the frozen pizza that half the toppings have fallen off you're getting that good quality you know good quality pizza mm, frozen pepperoni <laughs> cicd and cp continuous pizza continuous pizza that's the American dream right there. That's what everybody's gonna, <laughs> that's what everybody's gonna take away from this one. Yeah, that's, that's gonna be that's gonna be the takeaway from this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Open Practice Podcast, where we put real experiences and application to the practices that you can find on our sister site, openpracticelibrary.com. I'm Matt Takani. And as always, I'm joined by the fabulous, the more handsome version of myself, Jerry Becker. Not true. Simply not true, Matt. See, you're starting off this podcast with falsehoods already. <laughs> look at that. Look at that. Those those shimmering long locks of hair you got going on, man. I can't. Uh, they can't see I can't anything. This is a podcast, Jerry. I can't. Well, let me describe this for the viewers. Luscious. <laughs> I think it comes to mind uh mesmerizing you look like you look like a dark-haired fabio matt and that's that's, yeah. that's something that i can't I, I don't have a leg to stand on when it comes when it comes to that so handsomer oh, well no it's more handsome handsomer is not actually a word no i'm going with handsomer okay so now not only are you <laughs> not only not only are you handsomer but you're also more better spokener than i am <laughs> See, it's good to start off. Not only do we teach people practices, but it's there's a grammar lesson in this one too. So it's like bonus, <laughs> bonus points. Always excellent. Well, you know, something that is absolutely true is that today is special. And today is special for a couple of reasons. Aside from the fact that the weather is actually finally getting out of the 90s and overly hot and humid, Word. I even opened up my window today. And that was a very pleasant thing for me. But we're going to cover a couple of technical practices. And they were lightly discussed in the previous episode around the big picture. But we wanted to dive a bit deeper into some of them. And so we pooled our wonderful experts. And Tyler was kind enough. Tyler Arbeck. He's a site reliability engineer with the Open Innovation Labs at Red Hat. So Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Tyler, Tyler. Thanks for having me, guys. So, by the way, um, I actually just now learned how to say your last name. <laughs> it's Arbeck? Arbeck? Is it? Yeah. Arbeck? That's funny because every time I've pronounced it in my head, I say it with an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. So it just comes out as like, Arbeck. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's a different pronunciation every time. And even like different sides of my family are like, yeah, y'all are saying it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You should have a pronunciation competition with uh, great great grandma. Yep. Yeah. No. We we were at a wedding a few years back, and it was just like uh we we said like we heard someone announce a name, and like I just look at my parents. I'm like, have I been saying it wrong my whole life? <laughs> and they're of uh, and they're of course like no, we we don't talk to that side of the family. <laughs> <laughs> the our beaks. <laughs> the they're the black sheep of the family right there. <laughs> 
But Tyler, we love opening up our podcast with a very simple question. We ask this uh, time and time again, as we're sitting down and starting this recording of the podcast, what kind of spirit animal are you embodying right now? Right now, I'm talking to my daughter about this, and uh, she, she helped me out with this one. Right now in the, the, these weird corona times, my spirit animal is a raccoon. Why a raccoon, you might ask? Why a raccoon? Uh, why a raccoon? I did ask. Thank you for the prompt, Jerry. You're welcome. Uh, according to her, it's because I'm awake all night and I scurry for food in the middle of the night. So <laughs> she's really, really bringing it together to make me feel great about myself. But <laughs> raccoon it is. Is uh, it going for that pound, pound cake in the fridge? Just running downstairs for, for some Fritos, man. <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing like some hard truth from your children, you know? Yeah, it's like they hold up a mirror really... to you sometimes, and it's not always pleasant. Yeah, it's like, oh, Dad, you having a good day? Let me just knock you down a peg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, why are you always rooting around in the trash can? <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of lean and getting things streamlined a little bit. Look at this. See, Tyler, this is why we have Matt on. This is why we have Matt here. Did you see how seamless that was? He's a pro. He's a pro. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. Bring, bring. Also, also speaking of seamless seamless transition of where your code can go, let's talk about the topic for today. We're talking about CICD. So CICD stands for Continuous Integration, Continuous Deployment, or some people might say continuous delivery. We're going to dive into what each one of those aspects mean. And that's why we have Tyler. So Tyler, I don't even know really where to begin with a lot of this. But uh, as an expert in what I'm just going to call CICD squared at this point, what is all of these, this, this acronym even stand for? And how does it apply to software development? Yeah, so, so how it applies... The, the, the big thing is like naming stuff is fun. Like everyone just says CICD and they just cut, like it's just as this thing, it's this one kind of entity. And really it's just like, it, it's the, the like combination of a, of a, a few different types of efforts. So like you mentioned, CI, continuous integration. You've got CD, one of them is uh, continuous deployment. The other one is continuous delivery, right? So really they, they, they build upon each other. You can't have, in my opinion, you, you can't really have, you know, one without some of the, some of the others. And really the, the base layer of that is continuous integration. Continuous integration is where you are anytime that you have, you know, first off, you know, you're, you're keeping, you know, your, your codes and your, your, your code, your changes small so that you're quickly getting your changes introduced into your code base. And, you know, as, as they are being checked in, they are, you know, being tested and you know that so you kind of understand where where you're at with these as, as you're adding code to your system the the next you know that, that's kind of like the, the high level there the the next part of that is then you kind of move into the continuous delivery where once code is in and checked in and is, is you know ready to go everything's passed it's in a state that if you wanted it to it could you know it's been packaged up it's, it's ready to go the then third step on that, you know, again, these are all building off, off each other. You can't be ready to deliver something if it hasn't already been integrated. And you can't 
just just like with that, you know, once you get to continuous deployment, you can't deploy something if it hasn't been kind of ready, if it isn't ready for delivery. So that continuous deployment part is, okay, now we are going to actually ship it off into the real world. Um, and really, like, at, at this point, you know, remembering how this used to be, where it's like, okay, I would check in my code, I would, the test would run, and then, like, I would just, like, keep it over a fence and say, like, well, eventually it'll get to production. They'll let me know when that happens. Um, I can't imagine really developing software that without, you know, the, these types of practices in place anymore. I, I don't want to live in a world where my code isn't quickly <laughs> tested in and tested and and delivered, you know, to, to an environment where I can see it, where others can see it, and I can get that feedback um, so before it, it kind of gets ready for launch. Yeah, and, and I'm guessing that's like the real value of this thing. Why a team would even consider CI/CD approach to to their code base is it's that that quick value in checking the quality of the code before it ships out. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I'll I'll uh, I'll save you. I won't butcher anyone's ears with my singing uh, abilities here. But the way that I think about CI/CD is like that getting to know you, getting to know everything about you, right? So yeah, you you get that code in there, and then you you know you you're getting to know that code because you're seeing all these tests run. You're seeing the green lights, the red lights, whatever whatever kind of stuff you know, whatever check marks, X's, whatever you want to say next to your test. You're you're see you're getting to know. Okay, how do my change? How do my code change? How, you know, how is this looking? And then not only that, you know, you're seeing from a technical perspective, if these things are passing, you're getting it to a place where others can then look at it and you can get that feedback. And honestly, that's, that's probably what, in my opinion, one of the more important parts, getting something out quickly for others to give you feedback on versus like me just throwing this out into a source control black hole where it sits until someone clicks deploy button. So a lot of organizations, and, and I'm, I'm going to just go on a limb and say others would probably look to CI, CD as kind of like this automation. But as they look to do this in a continuous manner, which is what the practices look to employ. So, you know, there's one practice around continuous integration and getting things quickly into the code base and tested and built. And then you have the continuous delivery, which is another practice which looks to take the things that are built and de uh, deliver them into uh, just you know kind of like these environments that you can do other activities in. And then you have that continuous deployment, which is that last practice, which again, just automatically and continuously takes something in any environment and looks to deliver that into production. But all of that becomes like this streamlined ability that once someone checks in that code, passes all of these automated checks around um, quality assurance of that code, it automatically gets deployed. There's a fear of that, of, of not having human interaction into all of that. And so how do we, how do you have you overcome that? So the, the first way to deal with this is like, do not attempt, like this is one of, I try not try to avoid that. The absolutely do not do this because I, I like to have that conversation about like, oh, maybe this case it deserves it. Absolutely do not <laughs> try to boil this all at once. Don't try to do CI and CD and the other CD all at once. You want to like you need to build that comfort level with each kind of foundation, each layer of that before you move on to the next. You know, you you'll have some companies that are that don't do CI. They just create their changes. 
they check their changes in and then they wait for some sort of release cycle to pick up and then they push everything out. The first thing you want to do is set up your CI. Get comfortable with there being some sort of automation and tooling does not matter. Like these, these are all practices. Whatever tool you want to use, sure, go ahead. Use whatever tool you want to use. The, the practice itself is more important than the tool. See, uh, you know, get your code checked in and get it in there quickly so that, you know, get things automated so that you're seeing those tests run quickly. Get comfortable with that because there are places that aren't even comfortable with automatically running tests. They just say, okay, the developer wrote the code, they ran their tests, it passed, and then we put it in source control. Okay, sure. But now let's get comfortable with just let the developer check in the code and then have these things fire off. And then give us, let us look at some report of, of how things looked. Good. Okay, comfortable with that? Now let's move on to the to, to the, the next part, continuous delivery. Now that all of our tests are passing, let's get comfortable with the idea of let's trust our tests and let's then put it in a non-critical environment. So non-production, let's say we have some sort of dev or sandbox environment. Let's get it to a, let's get a comfort level of okay, it's automatically going from a source control and it's being, you know, it, it's going to some environment where, where we can kind of see it. You know, it's it's been packaged up and it's it's somewhere where we can take a look at it and it, it's running. And then, you know, you can kind of run the gambit of, you know, your unit tests and your end-to-end um, -end testing, all that good stuff. This is this line is difficult in itself to get to because a lot of people are still saying like, ah, I don't want this running anywhere unless I've had my eyeballs on it. Well, okay, let's just get our, let's take our eyeballs out of the equation <laughs> and let's just like get our, our minds comfortable with trusting our tests. Because the thing is, if you're not trusting your tests, you've got bad tests, you need to go fix that. Then once you get to that point where you're, you're then trusting your tests, okay, now is the, now is the part where, okay, we're going to start delivering this to real environments, not just kind of like ephemeral places or even just like packaged types uh, locations. This is, I would say, very few places I've come into contact with ever kind of get to this point. Um, one, there can be regulations that just prevent organizations from, from doing this. There's all kinds of, you know, depending on what, what industry you're in, there's you know, any number of regulations that say like, yeah, there, no, someone, someone has to take responsibility for this, uh, for, for this thing being in production. So that's where you, that's where you start introduce, like, that's where the manual gates start becoming like the, the blocks and like, you just, depending on the regulation, you just can't get rid of it. But <laughs> if that's not the case, this, this is really, you know, where, and, and now that even these days, there are plate, there are times where you can conform to the regulation and still have everything automated. But that's like an advanced type of use case type. The, the, but this is, I would say, deployment is definitely the, the highest hurdle that people need to jump over um, because it comes to the point where, hey, I am no longer in control of when this thing goes out. But really, you are. Just because you say that something is being fully automated, doesn't mean that it necessarily, like as soon as it snaps in and it's ready, that it needs to go out automatically. You can still put uh, like uh, release kind of, I wanna call them gates, like kind of release zones. So, hey, we can we only do new, you know, rolling 
you know, de continuous deployments, even if it's ready at, at 3 p.m., maybe we do it after hours and it, it's automatically allowed to go after hours so that we're not impacting our kind of rush time of, you know, business hours. Um, so, you know, there's there's ways to adapt to it. And you know, some people, there, there's always like the purists who say, well, if, it, if it's not going in directly as soon as it's ready, it's not really continuous deployment. I, you know, maybe I have a more of a lax definition on this. Uh, if it's automated and you're allowing it to go straight in, continue to deploy. Get it in. I'm happy with it. Yeah. I'm just happy maybe that there's that like some, is real. <laughs> maybe there's some gradient of what continuous even means. It's like continuous yeah. for what I can. Because you, you yeah. want to automate as much as possible. It's just how far can you actually go without... Yeah. Uh, creating an environment where there's no accountability except for like the code itself because as you were talking about the the regulation aspect yeah and like the the way i was you, you can't come into these things like a wrecking ball saying this is the thing that we're going to do this everything is a journey uh yeah everything in this is, is a journey you need to start in one place where you can get people comfortable and then you have to work with that with your organization to get comfortable and continue moving along that journey there's going to be there's some. A, I think there's, there's a song in there somewhere too, Tyler. Yeah, there's, everything's man, a journey. Every, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, <laughs> put the music you, to I, that. I, I know. I should, should have brought the instruments, man. Um, but yeah, uh, you you kind of have to work your way through through different groups and, and different different sets of people to to kind of get different levels of your organization ready. So first off, you have to work with the like immediate team, get them ready with it. Then you have to take it up to different levels of leadership and then kind of get sign off to make sure that, hey, we're not, we're not just like willy nilly going in and, and adding this in and breaking a bunch of roles that our lawyers are going to come yell at us about later. Uh, you kind of <laughs> have to get get everyone on board before you uh, kind of launch into this fully. Yeah, definitely. Definitely the life of a consultant there, but also like just getting people to understand that organizationally, if you're going to kind of transform and and modernize how you think about and deliver product. It, 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 there is a strategic approach to that. And you do have to think big, but start small with one team and, and nail it with them and then kind of scale on that success from there. Yeah, and that, that's, that's absolutely the thing. You, you can't go to your entire engineering group and say like, this is the way we're going to do that. That is bound to fail because there's just so many, you know, iterations of how people do things, get it right on a small team let that small team introduce it to other small teams, you know, as you're also getting it cleared through through different sets of leadership, kind of expand, you know, horizontally and vertically, and then it can then kind of grow. Yeah, I like how you were saying um, that it, it's not really like a, an all or nothing type thing, you know, like you can come in and, you know, a lot of times when you're introducing a, a method or a practice, you do want to kind of talk about it in its purest form, but then caveat it with, you know, this is what it would look like ideally, but of course we need to find out what makes sense for this team in this organization within this context and get as much value as we can and and maybe kind of adapt it to what makes sense for this team, right? And, and one of the things that you were saying is it's so important to start with a single team and get them on board. But I, but I remember you also mentioned that, you know, wanting to start with, you know, if, if, if a team's not doing CICD, and and they want to experiment with it start with the continuous integration but you were saying that 90 percent of the time if they're having a hard time with that step it's because they don't trust their their tests and so um in your experience what have you found to be the cause for that distrust and how do you kind of walk teams 
through that. So, you know, if somebody's listening and they want to integrate this on their team and start with continuous integration, what are some tips that you would give them to be able to kind of overcome that hurdle of not trusting their own tests? Yeah, I'll, I'll say in some cases, there's just no, sometimes, sometimes there's no tests. Uh, there's just, uh, <laughs> that's, that sounds I, bad. I, 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 it, it, it's, it's concerning. Well, you can't uh, trust what's not definitely. there. Uh, there are definitely times where you walk in, there, there are no tests. There are times where you walk in and the tests were written by someone else that is a, either no longer there or you will have certain developers who say, well, I didn't write that test, so I don't know that it's actually doing what I expected to do. Okay, then, then let's pair up with the person. Well, in, if it's the case where I didn't write the test, someone else wrote the test, so I don't really trust that it's telling me what, I, what, I, what it's telling me. Let's go pair. Let's go talk to the the other person who who wrote the test. Let's see how they approached it and how, how they how they they did things. And let's understand why you're not tr trusting it just because someone else wrote it. And you know maybe maybe that's better documentation around the test, right? Maybe it's just not. Maybe there's it doesn't document what it's actually doing. You're like, well, this test passed, but I don't know what it does because it doesn't have like a straightforward name or it doesn't tell me what it's doing. So sometimes it's just a documentation type thing. Hey, this thing turned green, but I don't know what it did. Um, so a lot of the time it's it's the kind of like not built here type mentality. Yeah, trust is is built over time. And you don't just take anything um, kind of at the face value and just be like, oh, yeah, cool, no problem. I, can, I remember a couple of teams uh, that I've been a part of to where they... <laughs> I, I've heard the response about some of the tests goes, oh, yeah, but don't worry about that test. That always fails. As opposed to going in and, and trying to fix it or understand it, they just accept the fact that it fails and still just move forward or not run that test anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, like when I, when I hear those words, well, don't worry about that. That test always fails. Like that's when I and encore that thing. Stop it. No. If, if it's a test and it always fails, get rid of it or fix it. That's you have one or two options at, at that point. Um, don't let just something turn red because it's always turned red. <laughs> that sounds like when teams do that, that's like their way of short circuiting the, uh, hey, we as an organization want to celebrate failure. Let's fail fast. <laughs> okay, exactly. let's just write a bunch of tests that fail every time. <laughs> yeah, and like when, when you're first starting, I'm, I'm fine if you're, you're on a new team, you're writing tests to, to have a bunch of tests that are failing. That's like, that's a good method. Hey, I know that these types of things need to pass. Right now, they're not passing. But if this is like three years in on a project and those things are still failing, that, that's not an appropriate thing to just keep laying around. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually reminds me of what we need to do as consultants and as e even just product teams. And it's when we receive feedback, when we receive... Uh, any so any amount of feedback, uh, via verbally or from a test that you run or user research, what you do with that feedback determines whether or not your team will grow or your team will just continue on whatever its path is. And if you are looking to transform, your team needs to consistently look to grow. And so with that, if you always see this test failing, what do you do with that information? Well, a transforming team would look to try and figure out either why, fix it, or look to make it green and pass. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the, the you know the the nice thing about a lot of these you know type testing type scenarios is you're 
because you're you're capturing that output of those tests, um, that that output is being shown somewhere. So so now it's like, well, don't worry about that test. It's always red. That that might have been okay, you know, when this was just being run on someone's machine, but now that output's being captured and, and shown somewhere. So it's not just a bunch of engineers like sweeping the dust under the rug. Uh, that that is going to be front and center. And you know, like you said, those transforming teams should pick that up and say. This shouldn't be. This shouldn't continually be read over a number of weeks or months. You know, we should pick that up and we should address it. Yeah, and so I'm one, I I really want to uh, tack on something that I'm now really thinking about because we've talked about what teams kind of like what mentality they should look to try and abide by and like where we would want teams to really end up going. But what I really would love to uh, just understand, uh, Tyler, in your experience is when you jump into teams, how do you even determine what level of readiness or capability that that team even has in order to start going down? Or maybe they're already partially down the path towards CI, CD. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. There's there's no silver bullet here. You kind of like, you kind of have to get in with a team and and kind of that you know, pull from our practices. That's that's the the best way that I can do. And and one you you mentioned that I, I think was this last episode was, was big picture, right? You kind of have to see the lay of the land. And that, I I love big picture for a number of reasons, but that really just helps me get a good view. And that that that's a good view for for a consultant coming in to try to help your team. That's a good view for any executives trying to get a high level overview, right? So just see what are, what is it that you're you're currently doing, and then start asking questions about. Okay, you say that you're doing this. What does that actually mean to you? Because, like we talked about at the beginning, you know, there there are acronyms for everything at this point, um, and some things share the same acronyms. You say you're doing CI. What does CI mean to you? What are the actual activities that you're doing as part of that? Um, and and that's how I really start to dig in. You you, you kind of need that that high level, big picture type view of of what a team's doing, and sometimes it's. Hey, we're starting a new project. We we have nothing. Uh, we we pulled in. You know, this is a brand new team. And then you kind of have to see it. Okay, what if you as a team? What are what are you comfortable with doing? You, so it's a lot of questioning and, and, and kind of prodding and seeing. You know, what what is it that you usually do? Um. And then from there, you kind of just have to feel it out. I I wish like it would be way easier for me if there was like one one answer to to go in and do this. But it's. It's always different. Every every time I've I've come into a new team, it's it's always some new combination of, of practices that I kind of need to pull out and, and get the information back. Yeah, it's funny. It's like some of your verbiage was reminding me. It's it's almost like your part part of the job of consulting or at least transforming teams is being a therapist. Exactly. What does what does CI what does that mean to you? What tools? Tell me what tools hurt you in the past. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There are times like when, when you come in and, and you say the word Jenkins, you'll see someone pass out in the back. <laughs> yeah. Speaking speaking of speaking of Jenkins, uh, a lot of people might have heard about Jenkins um, uh, being a tool to kind of like help with your pipeline generation and management. What other kind of common tools have you used to implement CI/CD? It's just you know the ones that uh, you commonly see on your engagements and. I'm actually even interested in things that you see in like open source communities or even in the industry that are kind of like new and might have a little bit of a uh, little bit of power behind them legs. 
Yep. Yeah. So, you know, old reliable, the thing that in, in my opinion, one, you know, the thing that really got me involved in, in this kind of area, um, what was Jenkins, you know, that for me, that's where it all started. Now I won't say that's like where, where CI or things started. I'm not saying that don't come find me on Twitter and yell at me, but for me, my journey, that's where it started for me. And that's what we, what, that's what I honestly most commonly see out, out in the world. Uh, one project that I've been really excited about lately has been Tekton, uh, which, you know, we, we've rolled into that's starting to be included with, with you know, new releases of OpenShift. Um, but that's one, one kind of CI type project that I've been really excited about playing around with lately. But there are, there are, there are tons and tons of projects. You know, sometimes, sometimes a decision comes down to, do you want to host it? Do you want someone else to host it? Uh, so for, like for the hosted stuff, you can go into GitHub Actions, which I'm also a big fan of, uh, because then I don't, have to run, I don't have to run the infrastructure where, where my CI is happening. And we're using that on a bunch of projects. Uh, there are things like Travis and Concourse and tons of hosted solutions. Uh, you know, the to me, I don't care. Like like I said earlier, Troll doesn't matter to me as long as you're doing. Yeah, you know, the actions behind it are are leading to the, to to these practices. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say the one that I've been playing around with and, and the, that I'm most excited about lately has been has been Tekton, uh, some GitHub action stuff. But that, that's where I've been spending my time. When we're looking to present this to, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna posture the scenario of a non-technical audience wanting to understand how, like, this CI/CD that they know they want because they want the DevOps, and and so I'm like a business stakeholder. So, what kind of like showcase or radiation of that practice in practice um, that I that that would be beneficial to me? Matt, you've you've witnessed me standing in front of a, a crowd of people being silly and talking about pizza shops. So we're we're gonna go with this is how I love to present it to people. Uh, Let's continue that like, pizza yeah, analogy. Pizza <laughs> analogies here we go. If you're here for it, this is the place to be. Um, the the thing like I use big picture for everything uh, because I am I am a a visual learner. I've realized that a lot of people connect to things that they can one see with see with their eyes like someone hand waving in front of a crowd some people some people can can get behind that and latch on that for a lot of people that that just doesn't work so i like using the big picture because it's very visual i can point to a thing and i can say you know this thing i'm talking about here it is this is the thing i'm talking about um the second part that i've realized that people really hook into is people like being told stories right so I like using pictures and telling silly stories because if something made you laugh, you're probably going to remember it. Uh, if I just stand up in front of a crowd and point at pictures and say, well, this is where the pipeline does X, Y, and Z, you're going to be like, I, you know, we'll talk about it a week later. And it'll kind of be like, oh, yeah, sure. But if I, you know, crack the same joke that I made two weeks ago that, you know, brought down the house, that probably is going to stick with you a bit more. So. One thing that I, that I always do is, is I kind of refer to, you know, the uh, the DevOps kind of like life cycle as, as a big pizza shop, right? Uh, the, the the front, you know, the the back half of it, you know, when you're first getting started, you're back, you know, kind of crafting your recipes. So you're you're using that big picture as you know breaking up into different sections. You can show the first half being like, oh, I'm I'm sitting in the kitchen right now, right now crafting my recipes, but my recipes only uh, stay in the kitchen. They're not, they're not doing anything for anybody, right? So what's the best way for me to quickly get my recipes 
out into the world. Well, I need to throw some continuous integration. Let's let's slap my recipes into my uh, my my continuous pizza nader here, and off my recipes will go. Uh, and that, you know they'll start getting you know that that's where we go from seat you know from from local testing, and you know then I put my pizzas into my CI pipeline, right? So those things uh, I make a change. Those things are getting thrown into the pizza nader, and they're, they're starting to move. But then that's where we add in, you know, continuous delivery. Okay, well, if that, that's great if I'm just testing out all my, my recipes back in the kitchen, right? Well, how do I, I need to get them somewhere where, pe- you know, I need to get them to the test kitchen where people are really eating up, the, you know, testing these pizzas out, tell me if they're quality or, or they're garbage, right? Uh, and then, you know, then you just kind of build off of, you know, it sounds ridiculous when you're saying it here, but like when you're introducing these topics, people are able to really like hook into some of the silliness of it. And you know, when, when they go to think about it, like, Oh yeah, I really don't want to keep my recipes in the kitchen. I do want my, my pizzas to, to get out into the world. And then you just, you know, swap pizza for code. And then the, the analogy starts to take off a little bit. <laughs> it doesn't sound silly to me. It sounds delicious. That's a great, that's a great analogy. It actually like really, uh, it makes sense. I haven't heard you talk about the pizza analogy before, but I think it hits home on so many yeah. levels and getting it, it, people it, to understand the, the value of the whole thing. I would say the best part about this uh, about this analogy is just coming up with the names to use. There's no end to, to pizza puns in in the tech world. Like we got Ada Love Slice, Grace Hopperoni. Uh, you just you just <laughs> come up with fun pizza names, and that, that's that's fun. Of it. <laughs> I I I I have loved love that my one of my favorites was uh, a vanilla slice yeah so i i love i love i absolutely love the analogy and you can take it um e- even down the part and i'm really hopeful that you can actually deliver a slice of that story at some point i see what you did there uh, uh, yeah um but i would like to take a piece of that and see about how it could actually be, uh, and you actually even talked about it a little bit on uh, applying it to the individual practices. Because you talked about uh, even inside the analogy, here's your CI component uh, inside of your 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 pizza shop. Here is your CD component, your the the um, delivery aspect, and then here is your deployment aspect of actually getting. Uh, your pizza to your loyal customers. Like, uh, let's let's think of like home delivery, right? You have a, a pizza iron slice, or <laughs> or someone like looking to just deliver that pizza um, that you that you have now baked. You've actually gone through all the quality gate checks of your your back kitchen. You've looked to deploy it and deliver it into inside of your box or your container, and then you look to deliver that container into the, where it actually is going to end up living, aka consumed. Matt, that's a great. I love that question. The application, so it's not just pie in the sky thinking. You know, you got to apply. Sorry, that that pun came with some extra cheese. Yeah, so let's get back to to Matt. What what, what was the question <laughs> out of all that pun there? Um, yes, that was a lot of pun, and uh, it was it was actually less of a question. It was actually more of just a a call out on me really liking how your analogy looks to break out the individual practices, even within the analogy, 
and 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 I really enjoyed that way to showcase things and to even just uh, use an analogy to uh, convey um, what is being done in a technical manner to those that are uh, less technical, uh, yeah. because people can relate very easily to a, a pizza analogy or a really just any analogy of the day to day um, into the the technical components because uh, I'm gonna go on a limb that not everyone loves to say to see you know like oh here's my 60 lines and then it says like you know like blah 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 built and then and then another like 100 lines go by and it says you know like docker image created and another billion lines go by and it says deployed to x environment yep yeah you know and i i think i think the analogy is is, is kind of like the the key thing here for me it's like i i can just like information dump on on people and that that's not going to resonate with them but if i can if i can tell them some sort of analogy some sort of story that they can kind of relate to they, you know if i can make them laugh or if i can like have one like little gem that they can just like hook into that's that's really where you're going to get your traction oh this makes a lot more sense i understand how you can make a pizza i can do this another really good you know it doesn't have to be pizza I, another really good one um from dimitri who i think was on a few episodes ago um was the the record pressing one that like that that is what inspired me to go off and do this pizza shop one. I was like, oh, I see where you're going with this. Let me, you know, put my own spin on it a little bit and kind of build on it from there. And that's the best part too is like these analogies work for for folks who who are less technical or who are super technical. Like, um, it, it's it's going to make sense to everyone. And then it doesn't even need to just be around the technical practices at all. You can then talk about the the transformation effort that needs to happen around it by you know, things that ha need to happen outside the pizza shop. Uh, I need to go talk to the investors about blah, blah, blah. Like you can talk about different type of like leadership transformation type practices by by having to go to, to other, you know, to go outside the pizza shop and those types of things. So you can just keep building on it in whatever direction you need it to because it's just a story. You're just making it up as you go along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Story so, of my life. Something, <laughs> some, something that uh, I, I'm going to use the analogy in order to help frame my question. Uh, when we know how pizza ends up being made, and, and I'm talking like from scratch pizza, not like the frozen pizza that I get from Costco, but the uh, like from scratch pizza, like I'm making my own dough. I'm looking to uh, make my sauce from scratch, and then I can uh, combine all these ingredients into the pizza. It's a lot of work. And a lot of times CICD pipelines and the work that goes into generating that streamlined process in order for teams to really deliver um, quickly, efficiently, and with high quality, all that work has to go uh, on in order to create all of those things. Um, but the end result is something so simple looking um, uh, via a diagram via, hey, uh, I click the button and I get pizza 30 minutes later, right? And so how have you looked to overcome uh, even the mentality that uh, something that seemingly is so simple is actually very complex to architect, build, create, and, and ultimately orchestrate and yeah, maintain? Yeah, I'm going to go back to, again, my, my favorite part of this. So using that big picture to, to show these things in conjunction with other things. So maybe you don't start off with like what the new thing that you're going to build is as you're kind of leaning into continuous integration, continuous deployment. How, how are things happening today? If you're not doing any of those things, then you, you start to show what, what current state is, right? 
And then you can bring in things like uh, metrics-based process mapping to, to show like, hey, this thing you know, takes this many rounds, it takes this amount of time, and only is successful X percent of the time, right? So you can kind of you know, use what you already, use current state based off of information that you already have, and then say, okay, you know, this is taking a lot of time and it requires a lot of manual intervention and a lot of like lead time. If we go down here, like, and, and it's still the, the same end result. I get a piece of software at the other end, right? I get, a, I get a pizza at the end of that. Well, if we go into continuous integration and we automate these things, you know, you're gonna start, you know, after you get a, enough runs, run through to start getting some sort of like, you know, data that you could work with, you can show that, oh, now because we, we've automated this, that lead time is gone. So this, you know, th it's this much faster. And oh, you know, our tester, you know, because we're we're getting that continuous, you know, integration, we're starting to see the problems a lot faster. And now we're starting to be able to trust our tests. So we don't need to do this 10 times. Now we only need to run it through once or twice or something like that to, to get good quality software to where everything's passing. So then, you know, you kind of like have competing big pictures, current state versus, you know, the the, the future state that, you, that you're working on. So it's really just you know bringing those practices together to to sh you know to show what even though it you know you get the same end result the quality and the internals of that result are faster uh, you know more efficient and you know quality kind of results you're not getting like uh you're not getting the the frozen pizza that half the toppings have fallen off you're getting that good quality you know good quality pizza mm, frozen pepperoni. <laughs> CI, CD, and CP, continuous pizza. pizza. That's the American dream right there. That's what everybody's gonna, <laughs> that's what everybody's gonna take away from this one. Yeah, that, that's, gonna be, that's gonna be the takeaway from this episode. <laughs> Reflections. Speaking of, of takeaways, so uh, uh, just thinking back on you know, what we've talked about over the course of the episode. Um, just want to open it up to all of us to kind of share, like, you know, what's something that you took away from this conversation, either through your own answering of stuff, some things that you came to, or, or even something that you know the audience would, you would want them to leave with, um, things like that. And then, of course, you know, Matt, you can jump into, but, you know, reflections time. What do you think? All right. I'll look uh, to kick us off on that one. So as we were kind of chatting through, something that just sunk in, I think, a little bit more is the need to chunk things out and really harp in on intentional use of the visualizations, not just the conversation. Uh, I've always been a driver of uh, making sure that you visualize a lot of your work, the work that you are doing, and how you really want to do it. And it's being directly intentional around the lay of the land, like what currently exists. Don't just give me the pie in the sky. This is where we want to go, right? I want to talk about uh, what, what does your pizza look like right now? Uh, does it look like, you know, my elementary school cardboard pizza? And what I really want to get to is, you know, uh, so there's a pizza company that's out in like where I work around where I live called fireworks pizza. And it's like gourmet level of pizza. And it's all done on like a firewood grill. Right. That's like, that's like the, that's what I want my DevOps pipeline to really even like resemble. And it just like churns, 
churns code and pizzas out like uh you know like no one's business but i need to understand where they are and then achieve it in a build as you go type mentality don't just don't just show them the art of the possible lead them along the journey to the art of the possible yeah that's good matt nice how about you tyler the thing that i've taken away is uh, just how much i miss like being out in front of people and talking about this stuff like you know it, it's been a while like the the importance of kind of getting that feedback not just from like your your core kind of inner, inner technical team but also thinking about hey how do we how do we radiate this information out to to folks who aren't part of that one core team whether they be technical or, or less technical folks uh it, you know you need to make this consumable by by anyone who kind of needs to come in and interact with your team so getting that feedback from from everywhere and you know kind of walking through that process and, and you know it understanding doesn't you can't attack it all at once attack it you know look at what you're doing today how can you get better tomorrow no, that's good. I think um, th that that analogy was is obviously really powerful. But it, I think why it's so powerful is because sometimes with some of these more um, technically rooted concepts or or just methodologies in general, sometimes just having the right way of talking about them with people really helps it to click with them. And I think having such a simple analogy that really makes sense. And and what's great about that is it's not just an analogy that tells you like the order of things, but it also shows you like it helps communicate the value of it in the end. The whole point is to get this stuff out in front of people so you can find out if your code or your recipes are even something people want. Because if you delay that, you're just spending a lot of time in the kitchen building stuff that's not going to go anywhere. So yeah, exactly. It, it, it's really all about like getting talking about these things in ways that everyone can understand technical like terminology is intimidating. I remember when I first started this stuff, like it, like people were like throwing all these, all these different terms at me, like inside of Jenkins and inside of different tools. And it's just like, what, what? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. How does that make sense to anybody right now? Uh, so, you know, that, that's like, I, I had to like go back to that. I was like, I remember when I didn't know what any of this meant, how, how could I, what could I have done that would have helped someone like me come up to speed a lot better? And it's like, let's just use words or in situations that at least everyone can be on, you know, comfortable with and, and start from there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's use words. <laughs> use your, Tyler, Tyler, yeah. use your words. You're yeah. geeking again. <laughs> I also like not only the, the, the verbiage, but how you kept tying things back to like the visualization of a concept and how, you know, you kept kind of rooting things back in like, well, that's what's so great about the big picture is like, you can align everybody and tell like the complexity of what a solution is, even though it seems very simple, here's all the things that go into it, but you can use that to guide so many conversations too. like just the importance yeah. of work visualization as a way to have those conversations too is a um, really good tip. I, yeah. I love the big picture just because it's something that you can, you know, if you're in the same, if you're co-located, you can literally walk up to the wall and talk about it. If you are working remotely, you can, you know, both join a session and look at that picture directly to to talk about these things. If, if the big picture is hidden inside of like an architecture diagram that's hidden inside of SharePoint, that's hidden, you know, behind some firewall, that's going to be, I'm not going to say useless. It's going to be not as useful, not as beneficial as it could be because it's not out front in front of people. You want something that yeah. is in a place that's easily discoverable by 
members of the team or members of other teams that are interested in seeing what's going on. Yeah, it it actually gets back to uh, one of my favorite uh, concepts, which is uh, information radiation and information refrigeration. And you know, because the radiator pushes information back out, and whereas the refrigerator says, "I just put it somewhere, and I expect you to go find it and see where that actually is." And one helps disseminate information a little better than the other. Yeah, it's definitely uh, uh, causes more friction when you when you put an artifact buried in some kind of file, you know, structure or something like that. And and when you when you make that friction of having to go in there and like bring it up to talk about it, people don't use it as much. So yeah, it's a good point, Tyler. Like have it out there, out in the open, where all you have to do is turn your head or take a couple of steps over to a wall in the room and then have a more direct conversation about something, which is really cool. So yeah, dude, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on and, and dropping some CI, CD, CD, CP, push button pizza knowledge on us. And, uh, <laughs> What I'd love to do is like, you know, obviously you, you, you're kind of hitting at the topic that you like to kind of be out there and talking about this kind of stuff. So, you know, as, as somebody who really likes to talk about CICD and educate people and in and, and a thought leadership uh, position, how could people keep up with you and, and kind of learn more of what's in your brain? Yep. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm out there on, on the good old Twitters. Uh, just my name, Tyler Arbeck. Uh, it's fun as it is to say it's even more fun to spell. Uh, so I'm sure we'll, we'll link that somewhere and, uh, yeah, mostly just Twitter and out on GitHub. Cool. We'll have that in the show notes for anybody that wants to hit you up on there. We can do it there. So thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the podcast. Stay open. You did a really good job walking us through all that stuff man yeah i appreciate it this was awesome we should find some more topics to do because this was this was a blast yeah my favorite was i don't even know why i created questions because Tyler just keeps talking about all the answers <laughs> i know we were thinking about just uh letting you finish it up just just keep going and going and then yeah, we're just gonna then we're just gonna yeah. ship it hey you high fives to you for listening to this episode of the open practice podcast that was awesome of you, and you should do it more often because who doesn't like more awesome stuff in their lives? It's awesome. If you like what you heard and you want to know more, feel free to head over to openpracticelibrary.com where you can find a wealth of activities and practices that you can run with your team in order to help get you from idea to delivery. And while you're there, why not upload your own stuff too? This is all about a community. We all need to share what's in our brains so that we can all get better at creating better ideas and turning those into better solutions for people. So contribute. We need it. If you want to keep up with us, you can also hit us up and follow us on Instagram at Open Practice Library. Thanks for listening and stay open.